Welcome to Let's Open the Bible, where our goal is to open the Bible and look at what it says. For the next few minutes, we will be looking at a passage from one book. We will continue weekly until we finish that book. I'm Tom Nordstrom, and with me is Bill, Casey, and Nate. Alrighty, hello and welcome to episode number two of Let's Open the Bible. Today is the first official episode that we are jumping into uh, the text, which today we're going through the book of James, and the verses we're going to focus on today are 1 through 12. Um, today we have Bill with us, and Bill was not with us last week whenever we all introduced ourselves, and so uh, as we begin this uh, this podcast, we're going to let Bill kind of give us a little rundown of who he is um, and how he kind of got to be uh, where he is today. So, Bill, uh, take it away, and then we will get started with this uh, reading and the verses today. Okay, thank you. My name is Bill Westerberg. I grew up mostly in Huron, and I'm back now. I've been to Oklahoma Christian College, and I have also been a missionary for 12 years in the Philippines, and I've done various other things in different places. Uh, and uh, but I'm happy to be back in Huron, and I've been a Christian for uh, over 40 years now, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with the reading. James chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position, and let the rich man glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay, now that we have had the reading, let's talk about the different uh, things in this, this section of chapter 1. In verse 1, James identifies himself. He's the author of the book. We don't know which James this is. There were a few different ones in the Bible, and that's probably not terribly important because it's the message uh, that is important. He's writing to the 12 tribes who are dispersed, and those would be Jews who were scattered from Jerusalem where the church began. Okay, now let's consider verses 2, 3, and 4. Uh, we have a, a scripture here that says we should consider it all joy when we encounter trials. One thing that I think of uh, when I read this scripture is Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And that scripture says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. No matter what we go through here on earth, it cannot compare to the glory of heaven. It's worth it no matter what it is. And when we know that, when we understand that, we can be joyful no matter what our circumstances are. In the book of Acts, Paul and Silas were severely beaten and thrown into prison, and they were fastened into the stocks, and they were singing and praying after that. By worldly standards, that was not a place to be joyful. But once again, Paul and Silas understood the reward that is waiting for them, and so they could be joyful at that time. Now, does anyone else have anything you want to add? Um, so I just wanted to add, uh, verse number two says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, um, or considered all joy. You know, when I was preparing for this podcast and looking at some of the commentaries and things that are out there on this matter, uh, the word all there, uh, I think could almost be better translated pure joy. And so we are to consider it pure joy when we fall into various trials. And, you know, some say, how can I go through a trial and, you know, Am I supposed to just wipe a smile on my face and just continue moving on? Well, James is telling us to consider, to have that reaction to it, to have that overall view of it. So to know the good things that can come if we treat this as a joyful circumstance. So he's not necessarily telling us how we should feel, because obviously there are times where we're going to feel sorrowful, we're going to feel sad, but he's telling us how the overall outlook on the situation that we should have, especially as Christians. Uh, whenever I was in school, uh, preaching school, and we talked about this section in James, uh, our, our instructor mentioned how this word consider, the um, beginnings of this word, or the origin of this word, has the idea of leading. Um, and he used the illustration of like leading a horse or leading an animal. Whenever you're leading an animal uh, towards something, sometimes they kind of fight against it. And that's the idea here, is we should be leading our minds um, toward that joyful attitude. Kind of what Casey is saying is it's not the natural thing to just, you know, always be smiling whenever we just had a death in the family or heard someone is very sick. Uh, and, but what we should be doing and what James is calling us to do is not just act happy, but we can lead our minds and look at the, the hope of heaven that we have and the, the joy that we can have, um, from Christ. This is a big, this is a big, discussion um a big verse um is having joy in trials is a huge huge topic that we could unpack for hours uh, but there's a a lot packed in these few verses here of, of having joy in trials but he doesn't just leave us with the idea all right consider it all joy and know it's going to be hard verse number three says knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience we know yeah. that the outcome here what it is that we're looking for and we're looking for patience and then verse 4 even adds on that, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so that's the end goal here. I know at times it seems really hard and not even possible to consider joy when you experience something sad in your life, but we're trying to have this overall outlook of joy because as Christians, uh, we have pure joy that awaits us in heaven if that's where we wind up at. Okay, thank you. Let's move on to verses 5 to 8. These verses talk about asking God for wisdom and uh, asking in faith and not doubting. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, looking at the overall context of chapter 1, we could possibly say that the wisdom 
that we're asking for here would be the wisdom to understand the trials that we're going through. A lot of people will often ask, why, God, are you letting this happen to me? And so if we're in that kind of a situation, we can ask God for wisdom, and he'll give us the understanding for what it is we're going through and why we're going through it. Okay, does anyone else have anything that you would like to add to that? Yeah, I think the we may never know why we're we have we're going through the struggles that we're going through. Um, I mean, God is not going to. I think the example that we see in the Bible is is sometimes God leaves us without all the answers. We see that with Job, um, whenever everything was taken away from him. We see it with Paul. Paul asked for the thorn to be removed, and God said, "My grace is sufficient for you." So sometimes the trials that we go through, we might not get the exact answer why. Um, But this wisdom is not necessarily, in in my understanding, this wisdom is not um, the knowledge of why we're going through what we're going through or the answer to the big why question, but rather the wisdom is the perspective to have this joy and knowing that this joy, or knowing that this trial is going to bring patience like verse 1 uh, two and three talk about. And I think the appropriate response here is not to ask, you know, God, why, but say, okay, God, I know I'm going through this, but help me navigate these waters carefully, uh, make the right decisions, uh, react in the appropriate way so that we can get through it. So the question isn't why, uh, because we don't know the answer to that. And I don't know that sometimes we will ever know the answer to why those things happen. But the question is, all right, how am I going to react to it? What am I going to gain from it and how am I going to navigate through this and help my family through this and help friends, coworkers through these seasons of life? Because we all know these seasons of life come, trials come to all of us. Uh, no matter what, they can come at any time. And so we have to be ready to navigate these waters carefully and consider this idea of counting it all joy when we fall into those trials. Okay, one more thing I'd like to add is the idea of asking in faith without any doubting. God is looking for people uh, who have complete faith and trust in him. And I can't help but thinking of David and Goliath when I read this. David had the kind of faith that did not doubt. When he was facing Goliath, he was certain that God was going to give him the victory. And he said so to Goliath. He said, today, the Lord will give me the victory, and I will give your dead body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and so on. David was certain that God was going to be the winner. Uh, He did not have any doubt in his mind, and that's what God is looking for. Okay, is there anything else on those verses? Okay, let's move on to verses 9 to 12. It talks here about rich and poor, people who are in humble circumstances and high positions, And it's interesting, James turns things around here. The rich man should consider himself to be in a position of humiliation. And uh, the the poor man or the humble man should consider himself to be in a high position. Uh, That's how God looks at things, and and we should look at things the same way. Uh, The world glorifies the idea of being rich. Uh, and the world tends to overlook the poor people, the humble people. They don't count. They don't matter. And, but they flock to the rich and give all their attention to the rich. I can't help but think of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 7 to 10. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. 
And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. Uh, it says here in Timothy how we, um, if we have the basics of life, then we can be content with that. It's, it's all we need. And so many people want so much more than that. And that's where we run into a problem with, with wealth. It's those who want wealth. Notice it doesn't say that money is the root of all sorts of evil. It's the love of money. It never says it's wrong to be rich. But when people fall in love with it, that's where they run into trouble. Does anyone else have anything? Yeah, so I just think it's important for us to understand here that James is really just saying no matter what situation we are in life, we need to be content. You know, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, we can all be good servants of Christ. And so no matter how much money you have, how little money you have, that should not affect your relationship with Christ. That sh you should be able to serve Christ no matter what, whether you have a lot of money, whether you have no money. Um, and so we should be content with the possessions, with the things that we do have. My mind, I keep going back to this wisdom that we see in verse 5. I think that this wisdom is very um, central to the book of James. And if we even just look in these first 12 verses, we see that this idea of wisdom, and in, in this, by the way, this wisdom uh, has been explained to me or defined as me as being able to see how God sees. It's this godly perspective instead of this worldly perspective. If we think about how the, this wisdom, we can have that perspective uh, when it comes to rich versus poor. Um, we can, if we have that wisdom, we can know that I don't have to have the nicest car or the nicest house, but I can still be a servant of God. If we have this wisdom, we'll be able to navigate these trials. Um, if we have this uh, wisdom, this godly perspective, then that's going to take us so far um, in life. And we'll see this wisdom show up over and over and over again um, in James and in Christianity in general. It's this, this godly perspective. You know, when I see this section of Scripture here, my mind goes to, for any who's seen Spider-Man, the idea of with great power comes great responsibility. You know, as you gain more money, you have to make sure that you're very responsible with the money and use it wisely and are a good servant with what you've been given and i think that also is some of the point that's made here you know money the love of money is the root of all evil and so it's not money itself and so as we have more possessions we need to make sure that we use those things wisely and that may be why god leaves some people in a poorer circumstance they're just not able to um to handle the wealth and it might end up ruining them they might want it but god knows if they get it uh, it'll bring them into ruin. And so we need to understand those things, and we need to accept the kind of position that we're in and not fall in love with money to the point that we're willing to sacrifice our relationship with God in order to become rich. I cannot help but think of Job. He was a very wealthy man. And when you read that book, in the first few chapters, you see that he lost everything. And yet his focus was on God. Uh, he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's the attitude we need to have. Whether we're rich or poor, we just keep serving God and, and not worrying so much about how much we have or how much we don't have. 
I will say though, I do think it's easy for us, you know, to sit in this nice air conditioned church building and clothes on our backs and food. You know, we ate, we wanted to go eat Chinese food today. After I mean, we're well off in America. Yes, um, we are. And it's easy to say, well, whether we're rich or we're poor, and so it's. I wouldn't say it's we're saying anything wrong. We are speaking what the Bible says, um, but it is still by that by that same token we say, man, those who are poor still need to have the right perspective. Man, we who are rich, how often do we, you know, quote unquote rich? Um, I don't drive a Lamborghini, but I live in America and I'm wearing a pair of shoes, so I would say, you know, relatively speaking, we are rich. Uh, it's easy for us to make this about the poor, but here we are, the rich. Um, and, and maybe we ought to see ourselves in this situation as well. And if you've got a, a device to listen to this podcast, you're probably the rich too. I would say in my time as a Christian, some of the times I've been encouraged the most have been in foreign fields where you walk in and, you know, there's barely a shelter where they meet. It's a dirt floor. Um, they're all kind of just in rough clothes. And yet those are some of the most dedicated, strong Christians that I've ever met. Um, and no matter the circumstances they find themselves in, you know, no AC, hardly walls on the side, just a little uh, thatch roof over the top. And yet, you know, the singing there and the preaching there, it continues to go on. And they serve God like, and that's their ordinary life. And yet they don't, they don't focus on these riches, these things. And so sometimes I think that we or our lives as Christians are hindered uh, by some of the conveniences and riches that we do have. I have been in the Philippines and... Uh... What you guys just described here, the kind of circumstances that people live in, I, I saw that on a regular basis over there. We in America are definitely rich compared to the rest of the world. So many people around the world want to come to America. I ran into that into the Philippines. People ask me a lot, can you help me go to America? They see the wealth here and they want it. Mm. They want to come here and be part of that. And so we in America need to take this as a warning you know, we are rich, and uh, it's so easy when we're surrounded by wealth to fall into the trap of falling in love with it and letting that take us away from God. Let's not do that. I think most Americans need to consider themselves to be very wealthy. And I would say the warning is right there in Scripture, verse number 11. The latter part of it says, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. You know, yeah. as we pursue those things, we're going to fade away. The riches are going to fade away. Nothing on this earth is going to last forever. And so the more time... And energy we focus on that, the more time that we're taking away from God and spiritual things that we could be focusing on. The book of Proverbs talks about how wealth sprouts wings and flies away. It comes and goes. God is the gold standard. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's much more than that. Uh, just borrowing a phrase from the world of business. But he does not fade away. Yeah. He does not rise up and fall down. Uh, he stays constant, always dependable. Wealth cannot do that. It does not. And, and we need to remember that and put our trust in God. You know, and I think we can all see the idea that wealth is not consistent. You know, sometimes you have a job and it pays this amount and maybe you get a pay cut or maybe you get a different job that doesn't pay as much or the price of rent goes up or the price of milk and eggs goes up. You know, those things do not remain consistent at all. You know, they ebb and flow all the time. But God, like Bill said, is consistent. And that's that standard that we should hold to and live by. I come to kind of a circling circling all the way around to what it means for us is maybe if you're listening and we keep talking about how, you know, riches fade and the things that we have are not going to last, 
but but spiritual things in God is the constant. Maybe you see yourself and you feel that something's missing uh, in your life, and you feel like God is missing, and you're just being tossed, you know, this way and that way with the things that you have. And whenever you lose something, and you don't feel like there's that that constant um, in your life, which is God, then we want you to reach out to us. Uh, that's really what this one through twelve is about. Is in these trials, do you have that constant, which is God, and the in the you know the rich and the the poor and the ebb and the flow of riches do you have that constant and if you feel that missing then we want to help uh, that's what the, that's what we're here for that's what this is about amen i don't have anything else okay uh casey do you have anything else uh no i think that's it um and you know verse 12 there is at the very end blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which God, the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so that's kind of the last verse here of this text. Um, really kind of a hinge verse because it really gets into what we're going to cover next week. And next week when we start, we'll go ahead and bring that verse back up again. But, you know, that's the idea of once you endure this temptation, once you endure these trials, it says, blessed is the man who does that. And the goal here is that crown of life that's here in this verse. Um, and so that's really what we're looking for uh, is to endure those temptations, those trials, and hopefully one day receive that crown of life. Right. Okay. Thank you for being here and being part of this. Thank you, All guys. Right. Well, that was episode two of Let's Open the Bible. Um, our podcast is available on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, and also on Anchor. And so if you have any means to listen to it, we would love for you to catch up, listen to it, listen to the first episode, and stay tuned for more. Um, Sundays, we will release new episodes. And so just stay tuned for episode number three. Bye, guys. Thank you. See you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Let's Open the Bible podcast. If you have any questions, want to talk about the next steps in your faith journey, or are interested in receiving our daily Bible verse which corresponds to the content of this podcast, feel free to reach out to openthebible2022 at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue our study together. Have a great day.